0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then... Peter came and said to him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But... When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that did because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So, my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Forgiveness is a common theme for sermons. You've all heard sermons on forgiveness and you know already how important forgiveness is. Today, I want to separate forgiveness and forgetfulness because forgive and forget is one of those phrases we hear so often. It's just about programmed into our brains. However, while forgiveness is in the Bible, forgetfulness is not. In fact, the Bible advocates remembering. Five times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says some version of, remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. The Bible deals with memory the same way we deal with the Holocaust or September 11th. Never forget, we say, remember. But why? Why? Why is it good to remember? When is it bad to forget? Yesterday, I heard a great sermon illustration on the importance of forgiveness. A man was strolling for exercise around a beautiful lake when he was bit by a copperhead. He said to himself, I've got to get to the hospital, but not before I kill that snake. For 20 minutes, he hunted down the snake, each step taking him further and further from his car. Later, when the paramedics found him dead, they couldn't understand why he hadn't survived. He was five minutes from the car, just a 15-minute drive from the hospital. But like Captain Ahab and Moby Dick, he couldn't forgive the snake and chose vengeance over getting the help that he needed to save his life. That's foolish. It is wise to let go of that desire for vengeance. Forgiveness is good. Forgiveness can save your life. But forgetfulness, forgive the snake and get to the hospital. But don't forget that copperheads bite or that white whales will sink your ship. Let go and forgive, for some have said that holding a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping that the person you are angry with will die. One prisoner of war asked another, have you forgiven your captors yet? I'll never do that, the second one answered. Then they still have you in prison, don't they, the first one replied. Forgiveness is good, and it doesn't necessarily require forgetting. Rabbi Harold Kushner tells another good one. A woman in my congregation comes to see me. She is a single mother, divorced, working to support herself and her three young children. She says to me, since my husband walked out on us, every month is a struggle to pay our bills I have to tell my kids we have no money to go to the movies while he is out living it up with a new wife in another state. How can you tell me to forgive him? I answer her, I'm not asking you to forgive him because what he did was acceptable. It wasn't acceptable. It was mean and it was selfish. I'm asking you to forgive him because he doesn't deserve the power to live in your head and to turn you into a bitter, angry woman. I'd like to see him out of your life emotionally as completely as he is out of it physically, but you keep holding on to him. You're not hurting him by holding on to that resentment, but you are hurting yourself. Forgiveness. Forgive. Let go to save yourself from more harm. Forgive, but don't forget and allow a jerk to move back into your house. Forgive and remember. Remember that snakes are snakes. Forgive him for what he did and let him go. Don't forget and go through it all a second time. You can forgive and remember. Do not mistake forgiveness and forgetfulness. But most important of all to remember, remember when you yourself received forgiveness. Look at what happened to the slave who forgot that he had been forgiven. Our second scripture lesson is a parable A parable is a short story that Jesus often tells in response to a complex question. And our second scripture lesson, the parable, is in response to Peter, who came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus responds first with a simple answer. Not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. Then he gets to the story or the parable which includes a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. One slave was deep in debt, more deeply in debt than anyone else, and probably more deeply in debt than anyone else could imagine. He owed the king 10,000 talents, which is meant to be a number beyond counting. It's like a kid saying a million billion dollars. So this one slave owed the king a million billion dollars. Still when he was brought into the presence of the king, the slave fell on his knees before him saying, give me just a little bit more time, have patience with me and I will pay back everything that I owe you. Maybe knowing that would never happen, maybe just because he was feeling merciful. Maybe because he was more full of grace than anyone had ever imagined, the king released the slave and forgave him the debt. Now that was a wonderful gift. Can you imagine the feeling of such a burden being lifted from your shoulders? A friend in Texas Sent me a picture of this mass baptism that took place last week at Auburn University. Maybe you heard about it. After a worship service, students were baptized by the 10s and the 20s. Some say as many as 200 students were baptized in a pond on campus as a crowd of hundreds more cheered them on. Can you imagine... The burden of sin and guilt that lifted from their shoulders because of the waters of baptism. That sounds like John the Baptist at the River Jordan. And I give thanks to God for this movement of the Spirit. However, Presbyterians have a way of being suspicious of this kind of thing. Did you know that? They call us the frozen chosen. Because we are suspicious of emotional displays. Our tradition has often said, be careful how you feel in the moment, because how you feel at a revival on Thursday has to carry over into how you behave on Saturday night. So Presbyterians have never been big on revivals. In fact, back in Columbia, Tennessee, the Presbyterian church is right next to the house where James K. Polk grew up. That K in James K. Polk stands for Knox, which you might know is one of the big names in the Presbyterian church's history. His, his mother was a Presbyterian. His grandmother was a Presbyterian. All the way back to somebody who was related to that great Scottish preacher whose prayers were have of, were of said to have terrified the Queen of England more than all the ships of the Spanish Armada. Yet if you go to the Methodist Church across the street from the Presbyterian Church in Columbia, Tennessee, just on, just uh, across the way from the James K. Polk house, you'll see that at the center of the Methodist Church's rose, Win- rose window is the profile of our 11th president because the Methodist had a tent revival and James K. Polk felt the movement of the Spirit and was saved. The Methodists stole James K. Polk from us. Now, I'm not against revivals. And revivals, I've been saved four or five times. But you can't get saved on Sunday night, then steal Texas from Mexico on Monday morning. Do you hear what I'm saying? What happens in here, what happens during the worship service, the way our hearts are changed in this place, the forgiveness that we receive in here, we must take with us when we walk out there. Be forgiven, but don't forget. Be saved, then act like it accept God's grace, then give it away. The slave in Jesus' parable didn't do that. As he went out, he came upon one of his fellow slaves who owned him a hundred denarii and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay me what you owe. Now notice how quickly that happened. As he went out from that place where he had just received forgiveness for a debt of a million, billion dollars, he seized by the throat a fellow slave who owed him just a handful of change. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord. All that had taken place. Did you hear that? When his fellow slaves, what had happened? When they saw what had happened, that this slave who had been forgiven a debt of a million billion dollars demands repayment for a debt of a handful of coins, they cannot stomach the hypocrisy. The king can't believe it either. And according to the parable, this is how God feels every time we withhold from our neighbor the forgiveness that we have received from him. Remember now that Jesus says all this to Peter, who later will deny the Lord three times. It's as though Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, pretty soon I'm about to forgive you for something horrible. So don't you dare think that you will ever be able to hold a grudge against your neighbor again. This is the way of forgiveness, which is a way of life that can transform our world if we let it. Think about what happens when the forgiveness that we talk about in here gets out there. The grace that Joseph offered his brothers is a story that's still being told thousands of years after it happened. In our first scripture lesson, Joseph, whose brothers had sold him into slavery, asked themselves, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? After they sold him into slavery, now he has all the power. After they did him so much harm, now he can make them pay. That's what they expect him to do. They expect him to pay back evil for evil. What he says instead is, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Joseph remembered. He remembered not only the pain of being sold by his brothers, not only the confusion of being falsely accused in Potiphar's house, not only the cold nights in the Egyptian jail cell, but the hand of God working in his life, setting him free and placing him in a position where he can save his family from famine. My friends, remember the ways that God has been at work in your life. Remember who you were before he got a hold of you. Remember the grace he provided. Remember the blessings he laid at your feet. Remember that moment of joy, of freedom, or of forgiveness, and live out in the world as one who has been redeemed. Remember how much good you can do when you choose to love your neighbor as yourself, when you reconcile with your neighbor rather than demand back a handful of coins. Remember that the debt he paid to save you is far greater than the debt that your neighbor owes you. You don't have to pay back the Lord for his grace. He asks only that you remember and pay that grace forward. Amen. Podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.